Coming up on Chasing the Natty, I'm back, baby, and we recap what is quite possibly the best college football weekend of all time. Maybe? We'll find out. In addition to that, we got plenty of waiver wire pickups for you guys this week. All and more coming up on Chasing the Natty. Goes to the end zone. Oh, what a catch! Devontae Smith, touchdown Alabama! Watch out for Mr. Robinson. This kid is going to be special and is already flashing. This is Chasing the Natty, a college football fantasy podcast. All right, welcome in everybody. This is Chasing the Natty, the college football fantasy podcast. My name is Jared Palmgren. I am back and ready to lead the charge into this recap of an awesome weekend of college football. Uh, For those of you who have been asking, I am feeling so much better from my oral surgery from this past weekend. Uh, my, My voice might sound a little bit off still. I'm still recovering a little bit, especially here on the right side. I had an impacted tooth on my right side. Uh, but in addition to everything, I'm doing fine, should be recovered. Uh, there were no complications whatsoever. Thank you for everybody again uh, sending me uh, any words of, uh, not praise, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, affirmation, I guess, and just anybody saying that they were praying for me. I appreciate all of that. Thank you guys so much. Uh, yeah, uh, on the other side of me is my co-host, as always, who deserves a massive round of applause for taking over both the King's Classic discussion and the Week 6 preview for last week, Mr. Xavier Hood. Everybody, a uh, round of applause for him for taking over those shows. He did a fantastic job. Uh, I was there. I was behind the scenes doing the graphics and everything, but I could barely move my mouth as it was. So Xavier, again, took over for that. So Xavier, how are you doing today? Doing all right. Doing all right. It's been a good week of football. Um, you know, it's been great. Glad that a uh, majority of the sports are kind of colliding together. We're getting the baseball uh, playoffs uh, this week and la- uh, this past week. Uh, basketball season is coming back. Uh, college football is finally in full swing. And the NFL looks like it's getting in- more interesting and interesting week by week. So it's good for all the sports fans out there. Oh, yeah. No joke. Again, I, like we did our um, uh, fantasy basketball draft uh, last yeah. night and everything. Uh, you roped me into that one. So we're going to see how that goes. Uh, but it, it, it surprised me. I'm like, oh, that's right. Basketball is just like right around the corner. And like yeah. the the um, baseball season's uh, in the playoffs now. Braves, I believe, are one and one against Milwaukee. So yeah. we're still we're still doing pretty well. Uh, go, go Braves, chop on all that good jazz. Um, and yeah, and then ho- hockey should be getting started relatively soon yeah, here, sure. if I remember Real correctly soon, yeah. as well. So yeah, again, lot, lots and lots of uh, sports going on. But like we always say at the end of the day, this is a college football fantasy podcast. So we got a lot to discuss for you guys today. Uh, just overall thoughts of the weekend, y'all. This might have been the greatest college football weekend we've ever seen. So many just great close games. Almost every time slot had at least two or three um games coming down to the wire at the very end i i was i was just blown away yesterday i was exhausted just by the end by the end of the night david what are your thoughts on the whole thing yeah uh it definitely was an interesting weekend i feel like we always say this every year you know there's always an interesting week where things get down to the wire and then people make uh 
exaggerations about this being the best, but this is this is definitely up there for a lot of uh, fans. Mm-hmm. Um, we saw a lot of excitement. We saw a lot of uh, teams drop out of the top ten. A lot of teams drop out of the top five. Just so much movement around. And then uh, I want to shout out Cincinnati. You made it to the top four. Uh, luckily, um, I've been supporting you for you know the past two seasons, and hopefully that uh, hoping that y'all would get uh, the respect y'all deserve. I'm still waiting on the Michigan State respect as well, too. But slowly <laughs> but surely, we'll we'll see how that goes. But yeah, it's been a great uh, it's a great place in college football. Um, you know, I, I will say this uh, as a sidebar: I've never been. I'm I'm probably like one of the few people that are against expansion for these type of reasons. To where I think every season is just magical enough to where we'll get parity. Like, uh, you know, there's a there's a coming of a time where you'll see you know the norm not be the norm anymore, and you'll get enough parity to where things will feel much more balanced. I don't want to see, you know, an 18 playoffs where teams are just, you know, squeaking by because they won in their uh, dumpster fire of a conference and then they face a real team and they get blown out. So I I like the four teams that we have now, but going forward, I can't wait to see what happens uh, probably like around week 10 or 11. Yeah, no, it's it. There's there's just so much ball to play left. Like I was I was thinking about this, and it was really the Big Ten East is the com is the division that keeps catching my eye. It's like you got Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan State, Michigan, four borderline top fifteen, top ten programs all in that one division, and none of them have played each other. Yeah, They're, like they gotta play each other at one point. Those are gonna be massive games when they come down the line. There is so much ball to play left. I'm just I yo. Again, I again, hyperbole speaking here and everything, but like this might be one of the best seasons of college football in a decade. It has been incredible so far, and we we're not even halfway through it. That's just a crazy thing to me. Uh, anyway, that was kind of a long intro, but we got a lot to get to. So first, we're gonna hit up some of our waiver wire pickups for you guys this week. For those of you looking for some options in fantasy for this week. And then we will get to our game recap. So first things first, we are going to hit our waiver wire QBs. So we got five of them on the board for you guys this week. And so the first one we're going to talk about here is Mr. KJ Jefferson out of Arkansas, owned on 25% of rosters. The big thing here is once he's not playing a defense named Georgia, uh, suddenly KJ Jefferson is a true dual threat quarterback that is going to be able to score on the ground and through the air for Arkansas and Arkansas is a great team. They got a good they got a good running game. They got a, a lot of good pass catching options. Uh Warren Thompson kind of broke out in this game a little bit. Traylon Burks reminded him reminded us all of who he is. Um and then KJ Jefferson, really the star of the show for this Arkansas offense here. Um he scored three touchdowns through the year and then three on the ground. So he had a massive game. I believe he was the QB1 for this past week. Scored over 50 points. So Xavier, you got any thoughts on Mr. KJ Jefferson going forward? Yeah, I, I think, um, you know, a lot of people had a lot of high expectations for him coming into this year, a lot of question marks around him, his ability to throw the ball. And, you know, there still can be question marks around it, but I think the volume that he gets with his legs and the amount of passes that he can throw uh, with that talented, uh, with the talented receiver that he has in Traylon Burks just bodes well for him. And especially like Arkansas's schedule, I mean, I think they, they've, not, they've not gotten through the hardest part of uh, going through Alabama which mm-hmm. I don't think, uh, you know, uh, we'll talk about Alabama a little bit later and uh, hear our thoughts. But, I mean, besides Alabama, they got through their tough, really really tough parts of the schedule. You've already beaten Texas. Uh, you lost to Georgia. You lost to Ole Miss. But you lost Ole Miss in, in a blazing glory fashion where 
you know, a lot of people may, uh, you know, have question marks about Sam Pittman going for two, but I think that was just a big cultural move right there to where like, Hey, I don't want to lose this game. I don't want to go into overtime or anything like that. I want to see if my quarterback can make the play. And sadly he didn't, but it just bodes well for Arkansas as a whole as a program. I think KJ Jefferson going forward, this is a big, uh, even though it's on a loss, I think it's a big confidence booster where he was able to show his full range of abilities. So definitely think he should be up uh, over 40% after this week. Oh yeah. I definitely have a lot of thoughts on that Ole Miss Arkansas game. We'll get to that recap later in the show, but uh, yeah, like I said, I'm, 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 I'm pushing big for KJ Jefferson this week. And honestly, even against Bama, uh, we saw uh, Calzada kind of car- carve up Bama's defense this past weekend. Uh, I now I imagine Bama's going to get better because you know, they're Bama, but even still KJ Jefferson has half the performance that he had from this past week. That's still a very serviceable fantasy quarterback for you week in and week out. Uh, next quarterback I have listed here is once again, Jerry Bohannon out of Baylor. Uh, a lot of people kind of jumped off ship with him last week after he had a 14, perfor- 14 point performance against Oklahoma state. Well, he came right back against West Virginia and scored over 30 points again. Again, true dual-threat quarterback. These are must-haves in your fantasy lineup. You need quarterbacks that are going to be able to take off on the ground. Jerry Bohannon is one of those guys, so absolutely pick him up. And I believe he's got a couple, a uh, couple pretty good uh, matchups coming up for him. So, Xavier, what are your thoughts on uh, Jerry Bohannon? Uh, you know what? Yeah, I think he does as well too. I mean, BYU is our next game. That's going to be a little tougher game for him. Uh, we'll see how they um, look. They didn't look that impressive against Boise State this past weekend, which I think I. Pick Boise in the upset for that game. I believe you did. If not, okay, I did. Cool. But I think BYU is going to bounce back. You have your quarterback probably going to have another week to rest up and get healthy. Um, With Jerry Bohannon, it's going to be tough. Uh, I'm not going to lie. He's going to have some big games to come up. Uh, You have against Texas, which they've shown that defense is just non-existent after the first quarter. So maybe he'll be able to put up points. Um, Then you have games like TCU, Oklahoma, Kansas State, and Texas Tech as your last game. So they could bowl well for him. Um, I didn't like the rushing ability from this past game. I think he only had like six carries for six yards, but he did get a touchdown on the goal line. So I think that worked out for him. So, yeah, I think uh, Jerry Bohannon is a good shout to take, but I think they're, you know, for a lot of these other quarterbacks, I'd probably take uh, over him for now. No, absolutely fair enough. Uh, this next quarterback, I know for a fact you want to take. And, uh, you know, you were you were uh, getting on to me about believing in the Tennessee hypo offense earlier this offseason. Now you're all on board with Mr. Hendon Hooker, who we have as our next quarterback here on our waiver wire pickups. Hendon Hooker, quarterback out of Tennessee, owned on 25% of rosters. By the way, going up against Ole Miss this week, um, we uh, absolutely destroyed... Uh, South Carolina um, this past week, the week before, he he led the charge against Bazoo, absolutely char- destroyed them. If he goes up against any defenses that have any weaknesses whatsoever, this offense is going to be be putting up points on them. Now, I don't expect them to be putting up these kind of points on Bama. I don't expect these kind of points being put up on Georgia later in the season. But even still, like you get the you get a great matchup with Hendon Hooker. I see no reason why not to put him in. So, Xavier, what are your thoughts on Hooker? Yeah, uh, like you said, I've been, you know, probably the biggest hater on the Tennessee offense for the longest where I I just didn't think that they would be able to come out this explosive. And they've proven me wrong, but it's just all been dependent on the matchups to where I'm a believer for the matchups of how uh, when they play like this past weekend against South Carolina, I had a good feeling that Hendon Hooker was going to have a good game, but I had to see it. I was like, can you uh, consistently beat up on bad defenses? So this was a good uh, statement win for him for, you know, fantasy perspective. Um, but Ole Miss, I think, will be a bigger test. 
Um, it's it's more of going to be like, can you have a better shootout than uh, Ole Miss and their team? Can you come? Oh, from I have behind? I have no clue whether or not they'll win against Ole Miss and everything, but I have no doubt that Hooker's going to be putting up some points in that game. I don't know. I, I mean, I, I'm not going to say. I mean, Arkansas is a good team. Uh, Tennessee is still questionable about how legit, like, good they are. I mean, they beat up on Missouri and South Carolina. That's like the the bottom feeders of the East, and then. You know, I don't think they've played Vandy just yet, but no, Tennessee um, plays Vandy at the end of the year. Yeah, so that's going to be a good game for Hendon Hooker to play. But I think Ole Miss will be a, a better test because I don't. I, I'm not going to say that Ole Miss's defense is just completely non-existent, but yeah, that Arkansas game did show that there is holes. But is Tennessee good enough, and is Hendon Hooker good enough to expose those holes? So, I, I still would take him. Uh, you know, pick him up off the waiver wire because there's a lot of good matchups that I do like later on in the year. But uh, for now, maybe not that Ole Miss game. That's just me personally. Oh, I'd start him in, against Ole Miss in a heartbeat. Uh, mm-hmm. Next quarterback we have here on the waiver wire for this week. This is the one I'm probably most hesitant recommending for this week, and that's Frank Harris, quarterback out of UTSA. And that's mostly to do with the fact that this guy is so boomer bust every single week. Um, this past week, I believe he he might actually. I might have lied earlier when I said KJ Jefferson was the QB one because I think it might have also have been um, Frank, Harris. Frank Harris. Frank Harris had himself a game against yeah, Western like Kentucky. Four touchdowns or five touchdowns and like one rushing touchdown. So yeah, so he he went off in that game, and that's the upside you can get with Frank Harris. Like that, and he showed that last year. The only problem is you can easily get a game under ten points with him. I I struggle to start him in my group of five league every week because i know for a fact that it's like he can get me well over 25 points in a in a game or it could be eight points and it 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 doesn't even look like it's dependent on the matchup it's just very hesitant but even still if you're just looking for a guy that can even have a possibility of getting you those high scoring games frank harris is absolutely worth picking up here so what are your thoughts on frank harris xavier yeah i i think it's he's another one of those quarterbacks that's dependent on the matchup i think it's not even boomer bust. I think it's just you have to look at the matchups. They play Rice next week, which I don't believe has a good rushing defense. So I'm expecting Cecil McCormick to absolutely run all over them and Frank Harris to take it easy this game. Maybe throw like one or two touchdowns at the most. Like I think in those shootout type of games, like uh, upcoming, he has probably like LA Tech and a few other games where it might be close. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think in those like high volume games of like where they're going to have to go back and forth, then you're going to see the best of Frank Harris. But it's going to if they rely on Cecil McCormick and he can win them the games, then there's no need for Frank Harris to um, go out there and put up that many points. Yeah, like I said, it it to me it's a risk with Frank Harris, but again, I it, it's one of those things you can't ignore what he did this past week. So it's one of those things where if, if you're desperate and none of these other guys are on the waiver wire for some reason, Frank Harris pick him up. Yeah. Uh, last quarterback we have here is Mr. Casey Thompson out of Texas, owned on thirty percent of rosters. Uh, yeah, dude put on a show for the Red River shootout this past week and still lost the game, unfortunately. Uh, that that That's really kind of one of the more heartbreaking things from this past weekend. Dude threw for about five touchdowns, a little under 400 yards, if I remember correctly. Uh, him and Xavier Worthy, who we'll get to here uh, in a second, um, when those two are hooking up, that is a deadly, deadly duo that you can have on your fantasy teams. And yeah. Uh, starting quarterback for Texas, Sarkeesian offense. I see no reason why you can't just pick him up. 30% of rosters is way too low for a guy like that. What do you think, Xavier? 
Yeah, we say that now. I think Casey Thompson plays up to his competition, but also sometimes plays down. Um, I think this is another – I think this is more personally to me a boomer bust guy because I've seen the Casey Thompson lows of lows, and I've seen him at the highs of highs, which I think we've seen like maybe twice this so far this season. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also you're losing Jordan Winnington for probably I don't know how long with the, the shoulder injury or his arm injury. I forgot what it was, but you're losing an, another top guy. I do love the connection with him and Xavier Worthy if you have that stack at all. But uh, I guess coming up on their schedule, you have Oklahoma State, Baylor, Iowa State. Um, not saying that, you know, they will lose those games or Casey Thompson uh, won't go off. But I'm not going to just put my full faith and say, hey, Texas. All right. Let me let me put, let me choose my words wisely. Texas's offense is back. I won't say it. I won't say that. I, I, I would like to uh, see a little bit more consistency out of him because I think last week he had a little dead performance against TCU to where I wasn't uh, happy with. Uh, the performance he had. No, and then again, I totally get that. And again, I, I look like when when deciding these things, I looked at his TCU game, and I'm like, Xavier's going to bring that up. Um, yeah. And you're right. Again, they're like, but I think for almost any one of these guys uh, that we have listed here, like if you're gonna if you're looking for a guy that's going to get you 30 points every single week, guaranteed, they're already off the waiver wire. We're too far into the season for that. You're looking for guys at this point who are good matchup opportunities. And I think Casey Thompson and Sarkeesian offense, again, against the right matchup, can absolutely be a perfect option for you going forward, especially as we get into these bye weeks. Good God, the amount of leagues I'm having, I'm struggling with the amount of people on bye weeks every single week. Uh, these like Week six, seven, and eight are brutal when it comes to bye weeks. But that's neither here nor there. We'll get... We'll go ahead and move on. And Xavier, I'll let you kind of discuss the running backs we have for this week. Yeah, uh, I guess we can first start off with Brad Roberts with Air Force, owned on 38% of rosters. Um, Brad Roberts has been an interesting name, and it's military schools, but he's been showing that he's been the most consistent running back for that program. And if I'm not mistaken, he does it almost like all to where he gets the majority of the carries. Um, Sometimes he gets receiving work. I I see no reason why not to, but I think it also has to depend on matchups. It's going to be – like it's 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 not going to be tough going forward. Uh, it just depends on uh, what Air Force's schedule looks like. I mean, they well, they're about to get. I would say they're about to get into conference play, which the Mountain West is not exactly known for its extremely good defenses. Yeah, and they've already been in multiple shootouts this year already. So weird to say shootout for a triple option team, but that's what Air Force does. <laughs> they they break off for long plays a lot of times. Absolutely. Yeah. He's leading the team in attempts by 70, like it's 150. And then the quarterback is next at 80. So he's got the volume. So Brad Roberts, a great volume guy. So, yeah, uh, I guess uh, we can move on to our next guy. Hassan Haskins out of Michigan, 30 owned, owned on 32%. Uh, I know it's tough to where, um, you know, a lot of people early on, I think it was like week three or four where people were rushing to get Blake Corum. And now it seems like Hassan Haskins um, is the next guy to, uh, from that Michigan running back room. Uh, you know, it, it was good at the uh, time back then to also take a flyer on Hassan Haskins because he gets those goal line carry in that work. And certain, it's always back and forth between those two. Like uh, at the beginning of the year, it started out with Corum being the more li- reliable back. Now it looks like Haskins is that uh, more reliable back. So Michigan has a good problem with their running back room. They have two good backs, and depending on the game, either one of them can go off. And right now I think Hassan Haskins has the hot hand in terms of scoring touchdowns. So – uh, yeah, absolutely. Michigan, um, they're about to get into the Big East, like we mentioned, uh, like you mentioned earlier. Uh, 
So it's going to be a little bit tougher with those games to see how he will perform. I mean, I think they've gotten past, uh, you know, some good tests of like, you know, Rutgers and um, Nebraska facing that def- uh, the defense they have up there. But once you go against the Penn States, the Michigan States, so let's see what Ohio State can do against the run game if they're getting any better or not. But uh, yeah, absolutely. Hassan Haskins should be definitely named off the waiver wire next week that it should be above 40%. Yeah, the thing that struck me this past week is that he had more carries than Corum. That like I'm I'm used to like I'm used to Haskins being a like a high number two, but a clear number two in that offense. But I saw he got several more carries than uh, yeah. than Corum this past week, and I'm like, that's actually an interesting development. If Haskins really is kind of taking over that backfield as number one, uh, that's going to be huge because a lot of people own Corum, but not a ton of people own Haskins. Yeah. So I'd say absolutely go out and get him. You want to move on to our next guy. Yes, uh, Mr. S- uh, Sir Roger Thompson, Texas Tech owned on 24% of rosters. Uh, he's made a resurrection in his uh, college fantasy football career where Taj Brooks, uh, he was leading off the year doing really well, then he got injured. So Sir Roger Thompson had to come back. Another uh, injury-prone uh, player that a lot of people kind of avoided this year, but he's been looking good so far in the past uh, few games that he's played in terms of the volume he's getting and also the touchdown he's the touchdowns he's getting. And, you know, he's, uh, Texas Tech is not winning these games, but he's in it for uh, majority all four quarters, and he's still scoring at a high rate. So I think Sir Roger Thompson is a good uh, player to pick up, especially with the Big 12 being defensively challenged now. They have Kansas, so that's a good uh, matchup uh, for the next game. Then they have Kansas State, maybe a little bit tougher. Then after that, you get into some questionable games. But I think Texas Tech uh, always hangs around there uh, late in those games to where we'll still put up points, but we'll still lose the game. Yeah, no, if, if Texas Tech could ever not have their lead back injured, that would be great. Because yeah. when, when they have one running back, we saw this earlier this year with Taj Brooks, uh, now, now Sir Roderick Thompson. When they have one back, it's great. They, like, that, is a, that is a mouth that they will feed constantly. But the problem is these guys can't stay healthy, Sir Roderick Thompson included. That's why I, I think it's a little bit of a risk uh, picking him up off the waiver wire. But again... It's one of those things where if he stays healthy, it's going to be massive for you every single week. Probably almost a guaranteed 15, 20 points every single week from him. Um, but again, you also run the risk of him cracking like glass and every, every single time he touches the ball. So we'll see. I'm not one to like point out like, oh, this guy's injury prone. Don't take him. That's why I have him on this list. If I was that way, I wouldn't even have Thompson on this list. But even still, I do think it is worth mentioning that it's just like, this guy has had a lot of problems in the past. So if that is something that worries you, pick somebody else off of this waiver, uh, waiver wire list. Speaking of which, David, you want to move on to our next guy? Yeah, at number four, we have Marquez Cooper out of Kent State, uh, owned on 15% of rosters. Um, yeah, I'm surprised this name hasn't been up. I mean, I understand that it's been, you know, um, Kent State's had their hard part of the schedule and you haven't get to see the flashes of Marquez Cooper for a while. But this dude is a legit back for that Kent State offense. I mean, I, I, the only worry I have is with Dustin Crum because he's so mobile and a lot of Mac action to where he can steal some touchdowns for, away from him. But Marquez is getting a lot of work. I think in his past three games, he's averaging around maybe like 14 to 15 carries, if I'm not mistaken. And now that they're going deep into their Mac uh, schedule, then I'm expecting a lot more as well, too. Yeah, in his past two games, he's had 31 and 21. And in the third game, he had like 13. So that's probably even way more than I uh calculated in my head so i think marquez cooper is a good player to go out there and get especially for the volume that he's going to get and the touchdown opportunities that he's going to uh, create 
Yeah, whenever you have one of these offenses, especially an offense like Kent State, where they're about to get into MAC uh, play, they're about to start putting some points up on people, you want to get every piece of that offense that you can because they're about to be scoring a ton. Scoring opportunities for them are about to go through the roof. And Marquez Cooper, to me, is the perfect piece off of this Kent State office to go ahead and grab. We'll get to another guy here in a second uh, when we get to wide receivers. But Marquez Cooper is perfect to grab off the waiver wire right now because, again, he is that lead back for that offense. He is going to be that guy that's good. Now, again, when you get to goal line, it's going to be a 50-50 shot between him getting the goal line carry or Dustin Crum getting the goal line carry. But even still, like that, to me, there's going to be plenty of touchdowns to where that's still probably a good one, maybe two touchdowns per game for Marquez Cooper at the end of the day, especially when they're playing against some of the worst uh, defenses in their conference. So I think Marquez Cooper is absolutely worth, worth a pickup here. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I guess we can move on to our last guy. We have Snoop Connor out of Ole Miss owned on 10% of rosters. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll say this about Snoop. Um, he was in a very tough situation in terms of the backfield, but I think Lane Kiffin has like realized that he has a very talented backfield with Parrish, Ely, and Snoop. Mm-hmm. And with Ely, I guess, presumably out, you, now you've kind of gotten a guy where he's filling in that number two, or else maybe if you want to move it up even higher, where him and Parrish are 1A and 1B for that uh, running back room at Ole Miss. So I think that bodes well. Um, Snoop Connor is a very hard runner, also, as uh, same with Parrish. And this past weekend against Arkansas, they had two guys with over 100 yards, and Matt Corral was their third guy with 94 yards. So you had three guys running for almost 100 yards. So I think there's going to be a lot of room for that offense to run the football, and Snoop Conner is going to be a big part of that, probably like a more of a uh, – if I had to look at this past weekend, it was – yeah, it was a pretty even split between the three of the guys run, uh, running the football to where they ran about 49 and – Mm-hmm. It looks about a good 30, 30, 33% uh, from uh, three of them. And then you get a few little sprinkled in that uh, got a few uh, one yard rushes, but yeah, Stoop is going to be a big part of this offense. If you don't have a, a I'm, pres- I'm presuming that Parrish is probably over 40%. Uh, yeah. You should go out there and get Snoop as well too. I believe Parrish is also under 30%. So I, I really, I'm, I'm recommending both of them here, but I, yeah. I specifically put Snoop Connor mostly because he is the one getting those red zone carries. Those all important carries that like, now, Snoop Connor is able to break off for a 50-yard run. He did it this past yeah. week. Uh, don't get me wrong. But even still, uh, he's the one that once they get close to that goal line, he's the one, at least while Ely's out of the question at the moment, he's the one that they're trusting with those carries. So I think that's massively valuable in this offense that's really putting up points on pretty much everybody in the country except for Alabama. Um, yeah. So, I th- and again, I think they'll put up points on pretty much everybody else the rest of the way. They're, I mean, they put, they put up 52 on Arkansas this past week. We'll, again, we'll talk about that, that game later, but Snoop Connor, absolutely worth picking up here. All right, let's move on to our waiver wire wide receivers. I feel like that's a tongue twister if you really want it to be. Waiver wire wide yeah. receivers, waiver wire wide receivers. I'm losing my mind. It's okay. Um, we got five here, and I I legit had a hard time narrowing down this list. So like on our show notes, I'll have like I'll have one or two guys here at afterwards that I'll mention as an honorable mention because there's a lot of guys to me that you have to pick up this week. Uh, wa- the waiver wire wide receivers are deep this week, and starts nowhere else except for Mister Xavier Worthy out of Texas. Monster monster game this past week, um, dude. Went nine receptions, 261 yards, and two touchdowns in this game. 
I, I can't, nothing else to say, but uh, get your rainbows out because this was one heck of a coming out party for Xavier Worthy. We already knew that he was kind of building his way up in that wide receiver room, uh, building repertoire with Casey Thompson. Man, they showed it this past weekend. A lot of people jumped ship. Last week, I was getting texts from people being like, oh, should I drop Worthy? He only had one catch this past week. I, he dropped several balls. I'm like, y'all, calm down. He's going to be just fine. And he was. And he might be one of the best wide receivers moving forward over the next couple of years in college football. This dude is about to be insane. Grab him now before everybody else does. I would not be surprised if Worthy... I wouldn't be surprised if he jumps over 70% ownership this week. I think, yeah, I think that's, it's that big of a jump. Yeah, um, yeah, I think definitely with the Jordan Williamson news of him being hurt and seeing how long he's going to be out. But I, I just only wary of, like, Casey Thompson being boomer bust. I think, you know, uh, your quarterback and wide receivers are always dependent on each other. And, I mean, the first play of the game, Xavier Worthy got, like, a little short uh, catch and then ran it for 75 yards against Oklahoma. And I, I think it was just a great uh, showing of his skill set of like breakaway speed, able to, uh, you know, be in multiple uh, places uh, on that wide receiver tree and ran different routes, things like that. So I, I do like the upside of Xavier Worthy. I just, you know, all he, the only hesitation I have is like, all right, is Casey Thompson going to have a good week with him to get him the ball and make sure he's not doing like any dumb boneheaded like overthrows. So, but his volume definitely should go up. Fair enough. Again, nine receptions this past week, and that 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 doesn't even include the targets that just either missed him or he just didn't get his hands on. Dude has the volume to be a number one receiver for your team going forward. Um, Xavier, I'm actually going to ask you um, a question a little bit later on when we talk about. Actually, I'll, I'll ask you it now because this this is more of a Devi slash C to C question. But like, say you're in a C to C league, mm-hmm. you 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 have the number one pick, which which three do you, or I, I give you three options. Who do you go with with the number one pick? Do you go Xavier Worthy, Bijan Robinson, or Travion Henderson? Who do you go with? Ooh, C two C. I still think I go Bijan Robinson. You think so? Okay. Yeah, I, I, I was I was just curious. Yeah, I think in terms of what Bijan his skill set has shown over these past two seasons at Texas, and then um, well, uh, the first season at Texas and this season now. And then what that could translate to the NFL, it just screams that this man is going to be a great back for the NFL. Travion Henderson has had a great coming out party in terms of a, a, a true freshman campaign. A lot of freshmen this year have had great coming out parties as well. Oh, yeah. So we're seeing a lot. But I think Bijan is just, uh, you know, he was rated number one uh, running back for a reason. Same with Travion. Xavier has um, done really well. He was, a, I think, a five-star decommitted from Michigan. But, mm-hmm. you know, I, I like my running backs a little bit more. No, especially a running back that can uh, catch out of the backfield or be put in the slot. So, being a running backs real quick, I forgot to mention this uh, honorable mention for waiver wire running backs this week. Uh, Raheem Rocket Sanders. We'll talk about him later, but I would absolutely yeah. say that he is somebody you should absolutely be keeping your eye on. Move on to our next wide receiver here off the list, and that is Mr. Tyrese Chambers out of Florida International University, owned on thirty-one percent of rosters. We get like one or two of these guys every year. Just a group of five wide receiver that comes out of just nowhere like i never heard of tyree chambers before this season and suddenly he is just lighting up the world on fire uh last three games 26.5 points 14.9 33.6 this past weekend just a big tall wide receiver that is just able to get over these smaller dbs in these smaller conferences take advantage of those situations um 
yeah, I think Tyrese Chambers has proven that he's going to be getting the volume every single week for these past three weeks and going forward. Uh, his lowest game has been 8.1 points. He only had two receptions in that game. Absolute deep threat for this uh, Panthers offense. Go grab Tyrese Chambers. Avery, you have any thoughts here? Yeah, um, I'll, I'll say this. I think FIU has a good uh, a good problem where Tyrese Chambers looks like uh, that number one wide receiver. Uh, I think going forward, he'll get even more uh, targets because at first it was Bryce Singleton. Bryce Singleton is still leading the team in receptions. Um, he's just not getting the touchdown. Tyrese Chambers is. He has six, and then all the other receivers have one. So I, I think it, it's definitely a good shout to where you have a great balance of uh, running backs with Devontae Price, and then you have wide receivers with Tyrese and Bryce Singleton. And, uh, uh, yeah, I guess going forward, it's just going to be Tyrese. And like you said, we always get that one just group of five team um, with a, a group of five player just exploding onto the scene. So I can't wait to see what he looks like going forward, uh, especially with the, the rest of their schedule looking like it's going to remain in conference. Mm-hmm. Yeah, CUSA conference. Got to love that. Yeah. Um, next wide receiver we have on the board here. This is one that, um, I'll be honest, I'm, sub- I'm shocked at the 8%. Uh, A.T. Perry, wide receiver out of Wake Forest. Um, I know a lot of people are sick and tired of just going back and forth on these wide receivers with Wake Forest, not sh- sure who's going to show up every single week. A.T. Perry has shown that he has the upside in this offense every single week. And again, Wake Forest has been in a shootout for the last like three weeks. So if you think that they're going to have a high over under game, they're more than likely going to ha- they're more than likely going to be putting up points in that game. At Perry is a great option to be picking up and trying to get in a piece of this offense. Um, he's able to get, I believe, two touchdowns from this past week. Um, three. Off to three. Um, yeah. I, I was lowballing him. My God. Um, so slightly touchdown dependent there. I believe um, Jacoby Roberson had about the same yardage as him. But even still, again, when you have these guys that are the um you know red zone targets and everything like that pick them up especially for this wake force offense that clearly is going to be putting up points pretty much against anybody in their conference it looks like so what do you think Xavier? yeah uh like you said earlier it's it's tough dealing with these wake force wide receivers a lot of people going into the season like jacuri roberson um he's still not doing bad he's just not getting touchdowns and you know so it's just a back and forth between at perry jacuri and then i'm forgetting the other receiver taylor moran uh, uh, excuse me? Taylor Morin. Taylor Morin. Yeah, Taylor Morin. So it, it's really tough, but A.T. Perry has been that reliable touchdown uh, receiver to where I think almost every game except for one, he's gotten a touchdown. Mm. So uh, it's a safe floor, and it's a really, really high ceiling with the upside of like what Wake Forest is doing with their uh, with their offense and having these shootouts. So I, I'm not surprised it's not over 40%, but I am surprised it's so low at 8%. Yeah, again, that's what caught my eye. I was like, 8%? Really? Next wide receiver we have on the board here. Uh, I've been impressed with the Western Kentucky offense this entire year. Uh, That passing volume is insane, and it's easily good enough for not only Jarrett Stearns, who's probably going to might end up as the wide receiver one by the end of the year, with just the amount of consistency that he gets. But we got another wide receiver here off the Western Kentucky offense that really caught my eye with just how consistent he's been week to week, and that's Mitchell Tinsley. Uh, Western Kentucky wide receiver, owned on 13% of rosters. Uh, here's the last five weeks for him. 14.3, 17.8, 8.8, 18.2, 18.7. That's consistent as hell. Again, only one game under 10 points and zero games above 20. If you just know that that's the amount that you're going to get every single week and you got a lot of guys on a buy, absolutely pick this man up and know that you're going to get a consistent guy every single week. So what do you think, Xavier? 
Yeah, uh, with that Western Kentucky offense, uh, honestly, it's uh, for wide receiver two, it's between Tensley and Corley. Um, I, I love both guys, uh, but I think Tensley is just doing better in recent weeks. So I, I do like the um, the upside of Tensley going forward to where I don't think he's going to push Jeff Stearns, you know, anytime oh, soon, no. wide receiver one. But you've had two back-to-back 100-yard games. Um, I don't think Corley has done that at all this season. But they're getting a lot of volume where everybody in this offense, if you're a wide receiver one through three, you're getting about around five-plus targets a game in receptions. Mm-hmm. So I think, yeah, if you get Tensley, if you have Stearns or Corley, then you're kind of set. But Tensley probably right now has the hot hand, and I expect him to, you know, move up. Maybe, maybe it'll take a few, uh, like this past, uh, this past week, not this past week, this upcoming week and next week for him to get over 40. But I definitely see uh, his percentages going up in terms Abs- of ownership. Absolutely, absolutely. We'll move on to our final guy here. And this is, again, I got a couple other guys I just want to mention real quickly after this guy. But Dante Cephas can say what a coming out party for him this past week i need to pull up his stats real quick actually um dude went absolutely off this past past weekend 13 receptions 186 yards and three touchdowns for kent state we were all wondering who was going to step up for um who's going to step up for dustin crumb as the wide receiver one a lot of people thought Deshaun polk uh i was kind of leaning maybe a little, little bit more towards uh, nakeem johnson i thought i was seeing some repertoire being born there out of nowhere comes dante cephas um now, uh, he definitely has his lower weeks. Um, he only had nine points against Bowling Green. That's definitely not what you want to see. Um, but the week before against Maryland, he had 26.1 points. And then obviously, the weeks before that, he was facing against Iowa, Texas A&M, just good defenses. Uh, just like Dustin Crum, nobody expected him to do much there. But again, going deep into this MAC conference, these Kent State players are going to be putting up some points going forward. So Xavier, what do you think? Yeah, I, I think, uh, like you said, for all those reasons, I would pick up Dante Cephas as well, too. I still have, you know, I, I still like Nakeem Johnson as well. I think he's leading sec. I think he's the second leading receiver for that um for that offense in terms of receptions. So I, I think, you know, Crum is finding, you know, his wide receiver one and two. It's kind of filling out nicely. And then now that they get into the Mac play, we're about to see a lot of guys be a little uh, a little bit more relevant than we've seen before because, you know, there was always the knock of like, you know, for the people that drafted Crum, it was like, all right, those first f- four or five games are going to be rough. But then after that, everything should uh, look pretty nice. And he's so, looking great so far. He had 40 oh, yeah. plus points this past weekend. God, I loved it. One, one of my best ball leagues is like entirely based off of the fact that I drafted Dustin Crum in the first round. And let's just say I jumped up a few spots after this last week. It helped out a lot. All right, uh, and like I said, I have a few other uh, wide receivers I do feel like just are worth mentioning here because, again, deep, deep uh, waiver wire class for wide receivers this week. Uh, Corey Sutton, still under 40%. Why is that, y'all? I know he didn't play this past weekend, so I guess a lot of people weren't looking for grabbing a guy off a of bye week, but still, 36% needs to be a lot higher than that. Um, and then the other one that's really kind of dropped, jumped out to me is uh, Demario Douglas, wide receiver out of Liberty. Uh, this is a guy that I thought, at, or at least at the beginning of the year, I didn't think that they, we, we would be seeing any other Liberty players really jumping out at us as fantasy options. But uh, Demario Douglas has become a clear wide receiver one for Liberty uh, and for, um, why am I blanking on his name? Malik Willis uh, going forward. So I think he's absolutely worth a pickup, especially if you're trying to counter Malik Willis just a little bit. So, Xavier, what are your thoughts there? Yeah, I, um, you know, 
Corey Sutton, uh, the bye week, I understand why maybe his percentages didn't go up because you don't want to just pick up somebody off of a bye week and you're not going to play him if you're struggling. But what Demario Douglas, yeah, that was a name I saw as well in our league. And I was like, hmm, I did, like you said, I was under the impression that maybe Liberty didn't have like the number one wide receiver from Lake Wilson will use a lot of his legs. And, you know, you'll see his arm sometimes, but he's been a consistent target for him. And I, I love that going forward, especially with Liberty getting back into their conference. Mm-hmm. Yeah, again, absolutely. So those are our wide receivers for the week. Let's move on to our tight ends for the week. We'll go through these a little bit quicker because three out of the five are basically the same guys that I've been, well, four out of the five really have been, the same guys I've been recommending for a long time. Jelani Woods back from uh, injury. Uh, Hopefully he gets back going with that Virginia offense going forward. Massive target for them. He had eight points from this past weekend. Looks like they're slow rolling him back into it. But I believe, uh, who does Virginia play this weekend? I believe they play Duke? Good question. Uh, but uh, they, they play Duke. Yeah, they play Duke. So uh, expect him, especially if he stays not injured this week in practice, for him to be back out there. Lucas Kroll, one of my mans for this year, um, somehow went down in percentages. Uh, shame on y'all. Uh, he's only on 34% of rosters. He's back this week with Kenny Pickett in that offense. Absolutely expect them to be put up some points. Tyreek James got another touchdown this past week for Tulane. Absolutely should be grabbing him. Derek Deese, one of my favorite. Uh, this is kind of the newer name on this list. One of my favorite guys uh, from the preseason. San Jose State looks like that he's finally getting his workload again. Kind of disappeared there for about two weeks. Only had about one, one and a half points per week. Uh, but now he's back. Uh, looks like he's getting some red zone targets again. And then uh, Peyton Hendershot, same thing I said last week. Uh, with uh, Michael Penix kind of struggling, or Michael Penix out, uh, Tuttle coming in as a quarterback, he's going to need a safety blanket. Peyton Hendershot's going to be a perfect option for him. So, Xavier, what are your thoughts on all these guys? Yeah, uh, at this point, uh, with tight ends, you know, uh, just try to uh, maximize your points. If your tight end's not doing so well right now, I think these are five great names to pick up and um, see how they play. I think with Jelani Woods and Lucas Kroll, with Jelani Woods coming back from injury, he still got a touchdown, even though it was, like, I think for uh, less than 10 yards. But still, touchdowns a touchdown. That's still six points on your uh, for your fantasy team. So, and Lucas Kroll as well too with that Pittsburgh and uh, what Kenny Pickett is doing, just to put a more reliable target. Uh, yeah, and everybody else, uh, I think those are good uh, options. You know, to take a chance on. Uh, I guess we can't really go through a tight end section without mentioning uh, Mr. Isaiah Likely from this past weekend. Uh, basically broke I, I think he allowed a lot of people to break a lot of league records in terms of the most amount of points scored. i know for at least two of the leagues that i run uh he broke the record or he helped the teams break the record for the most amount of points ever scored in those leagues so uh congratulations mr likely four touchdowns over 200 yards for a tight end that is freaking ridiculous um anyway so those are all our waiver wire picks for the week saver would you like to uh recap all of our picks for the week i'll run through each of the graphics so you can just kind of read them off yeah sure so at quarterback we have uh number one at k with kj jefferson uh two we have jerry bohannon we have hendon hooker then we have frank harris then we have casey thompson so then moving on to running backs, we have Brad Roberts, two, Hassan Haskins, three, Sir Thompson, four, Marquez Cooper, and five, Snoop Connor. Now we have our wide receivers. Number one, Xavier Worthy, two, Tyrese Chambers, three, A.T. Perry, four, Mitchell Tinsley, and five, Dante Cephas. 
And then for our Titans, lastly, we have Jelani Woods, two, uh, Lucas Curl, three, Tyreek James, four, Derek Deese Jr., and five, Peyton Hendershot. All righty. So, again, those are our waiver wire pickups for this week. Now, we got a lot of games to get through here because, man, oh, man, was this a crazy weekend. To give you an idea of how crazy this game is, for our helmet games this week, a top 10 team going down didn't, mi didn't make the cut for... Um, our big four games of the weekend. So that should tell you just how crazy this weekend was. We got a lot to discuss. So we'll go ahead and get started with obviously the biggest story of the weekend, and that is going to be Alabama going to Texas A&M and going down. Alabama 38, Texas A&M 41. Xavier, would you like to get started on your thoughts on this game? Yeah, um, I guess we were uh, finally alive and uh, we were uh, fortunate enough to see a um, Saban assistant beat Saban. Uh, it's never been done before. It's, uh, I guess Jimbo gets that first claim of like, yeah, I'm one and four against Nick Saban. So I guess that's a highlight in itself. Um, I guess I owe an apology. I, I won't say for the rest of the season, but for this game, uh, Calzada, um, you really looked good out there. I, I was thoroughly shocked. That when I when I was looking at the game and I went out for a little minute, I was like, he's five for five right now. I was like, I don't think he can keep this up. And he kept it up the entire game. Um, he found Anaya Smith. He found Jalen Watermeyer. He found uh, Isaiah Spiller and David Devin Edchain. And they had a good game plan. Um, I know a lot of people mention, uh, you know, in the trenches where Texas A&M looked good on both sides from the offensive mm -hmm. line and defensive line. So it, it was just great. And I guess if I had to move on to the Alabama side, yeah, um, Bryce Young, I, I think it's just a ter – I'm not saying it's a terrible time for, like, you know, a lot of a lot of these high-profile quarterbacks are looking a little bit suspect. I, I You know, uh, if we talked about Oklahoma then with the Spencer Rattler and stuff, then, yeah, I won't, I won't make that comparison. But Bryce Young didn't look too impressive. I think he threw, like, two interceptions, and one was on the goal line. Uh, one. He threw oh, one he interception. Threw one. He threw one? Yeah, but sure. he threw one. Okay. I'll double-check that, but you keep talking. Yeah, double-check that. But I feel like it was two. But um, – yeah, and I mean, the running game still got going with Brian Robinson. I mean, it's just more of just mistakes on the defense majority. Uh, like the first half, the offense wasn't moving that much. But then uh, the second half, they came alive because it's Bama. You know, they have that prestige of like, all right, we're not going to just going to fall down flat and then, you know, lose this game, uh, getting blown out by Texas A&M with a backup quarterback. But yeah, I, I thoroughly put, I, I wholly put this on the defense's uh, fault. I think the secondary looked exposed. Um, they, I mean, the, the D-line still got to the quarterback, but just not in time to get sacks. Like, they put mm -hmm. big hits on Calzada, and he came back every single time, even when it looked like he was down and out, came out of the tent, threw another touchdown. I was just like, okay. It, it was just an amazing game to watch and experience. Uh, you know, that whole weekend just was great, you know, and then watching the uh, Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder fight, I think all of Tuscaloosa just felt terrible because mm -hmm. uh, Deontay Waters for, uh, from Tuscaloosa, uh, for y'all that don't know. So it was just not a good day for Alabama in general. I think the whole state probably lost as a whole. Auburn didn't win. Uh, Alabama didn't win. Wilder didn't win. I don't even know another Alabama school that probably won. Uh, I think UAB won their game. UAB, uh, okay. I, th I, th I think they won their game. Uh, Troy, I think, also won their game as well. Mm. Um, I got a lot of thoughts on this game. Uh, really, again... I think you want to know the turning point in this game. It was a two very crucial turnovers by Bama in the first half. First was a fumble that led directly to seven points from Texas A&M. And then again, like you said, the interception that Bryce uh, Young threw in the end zone. I think that was a huge momentum swing for this game. May Texas A&M really... 
Because again, teams have gotten up on Bama before, but there's like an extra step that teams have to take a lot of times with Bama, where it's like, oh, is this happening? Then you have to take that next step of like, oh, we can do this. And I think those two turnovers really kind of created that momentum swing for A&M to really be like, oh, we can actually win this game. This is like legitimately happening. So I think I'll point to that. Um, you you um, already touched on Calzada. I literally have written down in my notes, uh, Calzada silences the haters. Uh, 21-31, 285 yards, three touchdowns, only one interception. Now that one interception was pretty bad, not gonna lie. But even still, like he had probably the game of his career. Uh, he's going to be remembered a long time for that uh, one. You put a lot of blame on uh, Bama's defense, and rightfully so. I'm going to put some blame on their O-line. Um, again, you're talking about Bryce Young not looking very good. I think a lot of that has to do with the O-line. Um, Bama's O-line allowed four sacks on Bryce Young. Probably should not have happened in this game. And then they also allowed five tackles for loss in that running game. And this is with Brian Robinson still going for over 140 yards in this game. So Bryce Young, I think looked perfectly average in this game. I don't think he had a bad game, but I don't think he had a great game either. He made some great throws when he needed to, thanks in large part to Jamison Williams, who is pretty clearly the number one wide receiver for Bama now. Um, I mentioned before, like with Oklahoma game, we'll we'll talk about that, but like Oklahoma had yet to play their 100% game. I think it's very clear now that Texas A&M had not played their 100% game, and they played their 100% game this past weekend against Bama, and it was enough to beat Bama. So I will mention uh, that during uh, during the episode where we talked about Bama versus Florida, I was like, I, I looking at Bryce Young, I just wasn't thoroughly impressed about like you know he's still doing good through his first like five or six starts, mm-hmm. better than all the previous quarterbacks. But I was like, I, I found an obvious weakness when there's pressure. You don't like he had uh, in the first quarter a few good runs where I was like, wow, I'm surprised. And after that, you just take tackles for loss and get sacked very easily. Mm-hmm. So I, I I always like had that feeling, sneaky suspicion that it's just I don't know if it's him because he was a dual threat at a high score. If it's Bill O'Brien and what he's learning to mm-hmm. where he just he just becomes a statue in the pocket. He doesn't, you know, improvise or do anything creative to where, you know, making plays, which I, I guess we'll touch on with Oklahoma, where we see a quarterback clearly doing his best ability to extend plays and do miraculous things and letting his receivers, uh, you know, not to say bail them out, but uh, make plays, give it to the, give it to the hands of your playmakers. So, but yeah, no, again, I called this game completely wrong. You read off my notes last week and I didn't have much to say. I was like, this, the line was too small. I expected Bama to just blow A&M out of the water. Um, I did not expect this game to be close. I thought A&M's offense truly was putrid maybe they like there's always those rumors of teams like hiding plays and stuff like that i don't believe any of them but like maybe that's what happened here because that's the only way i can explain a&m's offense just having a 180 in this game so congratulations to the aggies i got some aggie friends uh gig them all that good jazz y'all did what many thought was going to be the impossible so congratulations to y'all all right let's move on to our next big helmet game top four matchup number four penn state going on the road to number three iowa loses penn state 20 iowa 23 xavier i'll let you speak your thoughts on this game first yeah i didn't i didn't particularly care about this game that much i felt like there were more interesting games i knew the implications of what this game had and it was a top four matchup but i just knew these two teams are not top four like quality and I think they showed it, uh, you know, from the few from the few minutes I watched, it was just back and forth of like, all right, 
Sean Clifford was not playing the best of games that he's had to where the pass game going to get going. The running game wasn't working. Um, he mm-hmm. threw like some touchdown. He threw uh, a few touchdowns and ran for one that got them up like 14, 10 before the half. Uh, 17-3 or 17-10 at the half, I believe. 17 at the half. Okay, then. So he got them up uh, before he ultimately went down. So I was like, he was doing his best to keep him in that game, but it, it just wasn't impressed. And then once he went down, it just all looked like the momentum switched for Iowa. And uh, I, for all the people that kind of like, you know, made fun of Iowa for storming the field, I, I, I don't see the problem with it. I think Iowa being ranked number let's, two. Let's let's talk about this for a second. Um, like when it comes to storming fields and everything, if you have a legitimate problem with fans storming the field, get out of here. That I is mean, a, that, I, to me, that's a massive part. Like when your team gets a massive win, celebrate. Yeah. Like that's I, I the think, whole thing. I think in certain situations, maybe it's not warranted. Maybe like uh, say if it was Alabama this year and they were still undefeated and they beat Auburn like in the Iron Bowl and they stormed the field, I'd be like, okay, this is kind of weird. But if this it was is a close being- win and like they fought, like it's say like Alabama, like or, like let's take A and M Alabama, put it in Tuscaloosa. Alabama does come back and win and wins that game. They storm the field. Nah. I, I think that's warranted. I think a I comeback victory like that, I think it's warranted. You're the number one team in the nation. I mean, you ultimately won the game, but I don't see it. But I think in terms of Iowa, the fact that you're rated number two in the nation now off of this win, you have every absolute right to storm the field because you knew what would happen if you would lose to where you, would, you wouldn't drop that far, but you're basically your playoff chances are almost over, almost. I mean, I think both of these teams still have their entire future ahead of them. Uh, oh, absolutely. Like it's, it's very, like, again, win and you're in at this point. Iowa, especially, have you looked at their schedule going forward? Yeah. There's they not a team. Big Ten Championship. That's uh, all they have to do. Hell, I don't even know if they have to do that, if I'm being real. Uh, nah, I don't even yeah. know about that. We'll see. Um, but even so, things that, things that stuck out to me here. Once again, Iowa secondary. What the hell? Four interceptions. Again for them. Like, you can't stop them. You can't stop them. And, like, it's... One of them was direct... Like, again, um, some people were criticizing Clifford early on in the game for his interceptions. One of them was bad. Um, He tried to make something out of nothing near his own goal line. Uh, Tripped, fell, threw the ball, went right to an Iowa defender. I Like, it was was a bad decision on his part. He should have just gone down or thrown the ball away. Uh, The other one was just a 50-50 ball deep shot. Um... It was like I said, it was going to be a 50-50 shot whether or not his guy came up with it or not. And in a game like that, where sometimes if you can hit that shot, get those seven points, that's game right there. Um, I think Sean Clifford put Penn State in a position to win this game, and their defense did everything that they could for it. If Clifford stayed in this entire game, was healthy this entire game, I do think Penn State wins this game. Uh, he It really just went downhill after Roberson went in there. And I'm not going to knock Roberson too much uh because like when i was watching him when he had it he had it the problem was when he didn't have it and you're looking at a guy who went seven for 21 for only 34 yards after clifford goes out of this game throws two interceptions both of them on a deep ball i think really again like i'm not one to say like oh if just one player was not injured this whole game would have been different i i think penn state wins this game if clifford stayed in the entire game he had a lot of momentum going into that half before he got hurt. Yeah, absolutely. If they kept Will Lovis around, maybe they would have been fine at backup quarterback. Yeah, I've, I've been doing actually a little bit of research into that, and for what it sounds like, there was no way they were keeping Will Lovis. Oh yeah, um, probably. Sound, sound, it, it sounds like it just wasn't working out well for him. 
yeah, that was starter quality. Which and he's doing well at Kentucky. He is. We'll move on to our next game here. Uh, 103 points scored in this one, and many people calling it the game of the year. And quite frankly, it's a, it's a great contender. Not going to lie. Absolutely. Red River shootout. Number six, Oklahoma, 55. Number 21, Texas, 48. Xavier, what are your thoughts on this game? All right. I have to take a breath before I get to this massacre that I have to do with the Longhorns because I, I, I've never seen – I've only seen maybe a few other choke jobs of this magnitude, and one comes to mind as, you know, for all of our uh, Georgia listeners, you understand when you have a 28 to, like, you know, something lead – uh, bad things can happen. But I was like, oh, no, this is in Georgia. You had a 28-7 to 7 lead after the first quarter. And I was like, okay, Texas has the momentum. I could see OU kind of sneaking their way back in. But then going into half, I was like, okay, Texas still has a formidable lead. But then after the half, defense just became non-existent. Now, I will say I was a little bit concerned about what the amount of injuries that Texas was amassing during this entire game. But at the same time, you have to make stops. Like, just anything. If you just get one stop during the third or fourth quarter, you, you've essentially won the game. But, no, you just couldn't. As soon as as soon as soon Spencer Rattler was pulled and you let Caleb Williams go out there, and the first time he goes out there, he runs a QB draw run for a touchdown, you could tell, oh, God, Texas is in trouble. I mean, it, it just it was just unfathomable how bad you you could just, like, crumble in the face of, like, just any type of adversity to where you had the lead. Casey Thompson played the game of his life. Bijan Robinson did his job. Xavier Worthy looks really great. With Jordan Williamson going down, you still look good. But the defense couldn't do anything at all. Like, your, your run defense was terrible. Your passing defense, I don't even know which one was worse. I, I You let Marvin Mims make two spectacular catches off of Caleb Williams. I'm not going to say they were bad throws, but Caleb Williams made like some tremendous throws off balance, just wide arm down the field, 50 plus yards. And Marvin Mims just showed, hey, I am a five to four star, four to five star receiver that can make plays on these terrible Texas defensive backs. And then the front seven for Texas, you let Kenny Brooks just have his way with you. And I think it's solidified now for all the people that had hope for Eric Gray like me. And then, you know, it's it just showed that Kennedy Brooks is back and that he can run the football. To where he iced the game, where all t- Oklahoma needed was a field goal, and he just runs for a touchdown. That's the worst way to go out. All those, like you know, all, all, for all the people that had the freezing cold takes about Texas's back after the first quarter, I was almost with you. I even talked to Jordan. I was like, "Can I say the three magic words?" And he was like, "No." And I was like, "Okay." I told I you no. <laughs> I didn't do it. I did not do it because I, I I understood where he was coming from, and you showed why that you will always and forever will never be back. I, I just don't see. And now you're coming to the SEC. You will not be able to squeak by this with the, uh, against SEC opponents. I'm sorry. You you are the epitome of, like, just a meme at this point. I don't know what to say so much bad about Texas. I enjoy the Sarkeesian offense. I thought this was this is what I envisioned with the Sarkeesian offense. You need a defense. You need to just re- cut all those players loose and then find a portal for, like, students to, like, have a trial, a walk-on trial, and find some talent there. Because it's not there in that Texas secondary or, like, front seven. It was abysmal what I saw in that second half. Golly, you're still going. <laughs> it, 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 just, it just was so – I was ready Trump, for a I, rant. I was, I was not ready for that. I was just so disappointed because Oklahoma – I guess I even talked about – I haven't even talked about Oklahoma that much. In given no, you rant. haven't said a word about Oklahoma yet, I hardly. Haven't. It's just more about, like, being – like, 
Oklahoma is like they're squeaking by every week. And I'm thinking like, wow, Texas is up 28 to seven. Maybe we'll finally have the like, you know, we won't have to put Oklahoma in the, the college football playoffs. And you give them this game to keep them relevant and now they're top four, which I think anybody with eyes would realize that Oklahoma, for the competition that they have played, they don't look like a top four team in the nation. But we have to give them that credit because they're undefeated. So it, it's Caleb Williams. If, if Lincoln Riley makes the right decision and starts Caleb Williams for then on, then I could say maybe see Oklahoma having some quality because their offense was moving. And I think they're, they're, uh, the offense responds way better with Caleb Williams than with Spencer Rattler. So it, it's, it's really a big decision for Lincoln Riley, but it's really not that uh, hard of a decision to make. But if he makes the wrong one, then from then on, I, I don't see Oklahoma being a top four team. Are you done? Yeah, I'm done. I'm absolutely done. <laughs> no, you too. Like, I love it. I love it. I'm clipping that later. I'm posting that on Twitter. Um, that was an epic, epic rant. I love it. Love it, oh, love God. it, love it. You're blaming the yeah, Texas yeah. defense. I'm going to take the other side, or not the other side here. I'm going to point I'm gonna point fingers at their offense. Um, 10 points scored on the, in the second half. That's, after what you did in the first half, that was abysmal. Um, you got one good long pass to... Um, to Xavier Worthy for a touchdown, but really, that was really most of what Texas could muster. I remember talking to you during this game, Xavier, and like there was like several three and out drives, and like by the third one, you were like, "Okay, Texas, I guess you just don't want to win this game," and they couldn't get anything going. And again, as much as I love Casey Thompson, I'm rooting for the guy, but man, they couldn't get anything going on offense in that second half for the most part. So he did have that wrist injury. He did have the wrist injury, which, again, hopefully that doesn't affect him too much going forward. But even still, I want to point fingers at the Texas offense there. Uh, also, point fingers at Oklahoma defense. Stepping up, man. They they use that momentum well. Uh, in addition to that, any other thoughts? I'm trying to I'm, – I'm looking through my notes trying to see what you didn't touch on. Uh, we touched on Xavier Worthy earlier. Uh, nine receptions, 261 yards, two touchdowns. Absolute breakout game for him. Marvin Mims finally freaking shows up. Turns out all you needed was a quarterback that, you know, can make the right decision of when to throw him the ball. And uh, he had five receptions for 136 yards, uh, two touchdowns. So hopefully we get some Marvin Mims action going uh, throughout the week. I, I want my prediction of a Oklahoma wide receiver not being in the top 24 wide receivers to be true. But also, I love Marvin Mims, so I would love to see him take off from here. Uh, in addition to that... Yeah, again, you can't really like. There are there are one or two things in this game I could say just really didn't go Texas's way in terms of refereeing. Specifically, there was a fumble by Kennedy Brooks uh, in the th- late in the third quarter that I thought it was kind of BS that they ruled him down. Everything that I saw said that that was a fumble recovered by Texas. I'm not sure why they made the decision to go the way that they did, but regardless. I've said it before, never put yourself in a position to where a game is decided by a ref's call. Yeah. So, and yeah. I will put a little bit of blame on Sarkeesian where I felt like you kind of went away from the run game just a tad bit in the second half. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because we saw uh, Bijan go for that epic run. That was probably, yeah. that, like, that, that run is probably going to get him in the first round of the NFL draft in two years. Absolutely. That exact run. So, I think we've said pretty much all we can say on this game. Uh, yeah. Like like I said earlier when I was teasing it, a lot of people said it's possibly the game of the year. We got a long way to go in this season. I would not be surprised if this is in the top three games by the end of the year. It was an epic game. Perfect atmosphere. Perfect storylines in this game. Every every player on both teams, like every major player, made plays during this game. You'll love to see it. So, let us move on 
to our final helmet game of the week. And this one went for 103 points. This one outdid them slightly. This, or actually, no, exact same amount of points. 103 points in this game as well. Number 11, Ar or number 13, excuse me, Arkansas, 51. Number 17, Ole Miss, 52. So, Xavier, what are your thoughts on this game? You know what? I, I think I think you should go first. I had a long rant about Oklahoma, Texas, because I watched that game extensively, and you watched the Ole Miss-Arkansas game, and I, I only tuned in probably around, like, the fourth quarter, but I was hearing good things, and from looking at uh, the play-by-plays and the stats, I was like, whoa, this is uh, not what I expected for this game, so I, I want you to give you your side. I got notes. We already yeah. talked about KJ Jefferson, the hell of a day that he had. 20, yeah. 20 carries, second most on the team for 85 yards and three touchdowns. Uh, yeah. 25 out of 35 attempts for 325 yards, three touchdowns. This was the game of his life. Um, a lot of people kind of questioning him after the Georgia game, just really did not have a great game in that game. Uh, well, went up against a defense that is way worse. And we saw that KJ Jefferson easily could be one of the best quarterbacks in the conference. Uh, Traylon Burks finally has another one of his breakout games. We've been, again, injured early on in the year. We've been waiting to see him just consistently have these epic games. We finally got one this past week. Seven receptions, 136 yards, and a touchdown. He was back. And really, when you look at the yardage in this game, it was just so even between the, these teams. And at the end of the day, it really was like you saw it on the scoreboard. Arkansas could have tied this game, sent it in overtime. We all, like, we all know now that, like, obviously... Um, Sam Pittman goes for the two-point conversion. I think it was the right decision. We kind of teased this earlier. I think it was the right decision. You have Matt Corral in that Ole Miss offense going to overtime with them, just counting on them to execute. Yeah, that's an elite offense. They're going to execute in an overtime setting. Arkansas is a ground-and-pound offense. When you don't have the clock on your side, you don't want to put yourself in that position. So I think it was absolutely the right decision. Unfortunately, Jefferson just couldn't make that final play that we needed him to. Um... Other notes on this game, Matt Corral does Matt Corral things. Um, that's pretty much all you need to know there. Henry Parrish, Snoop Connor, easily pick up the slack for Jerry Ely being out. We already talked about Snoop Connor. Henry Parrish also has over 100 yards in this game. A uh, thing I thought was interesting in this game was just how spread around the ball was for Ole Miss. There was not a, re there was not a receiver on that team that had over two catches. Now, there, were there was uh, one or two that went over, uh, over 100 yards. Like, look it up. Like you're, you're, you've got a quizzical face look on your face, Xavier, but like, look it up. There's only, only two receptions uh, for the most receptions on the team. Uh, and then this, this game is just the perfect way to end the game. 20 points scored in the last 90 seconds of this game. You want to talk about two teams just giving it their all for this game? That's it right there. So there's my rant on this game. This was one of the games I was looking forward to the most this weekend, and it paid off massively. So what do you think, Xavier? Yeah, I had to make sure. I thought Dontario Drummond had about like three or four. And I was like, I knew everybody else had like two or one. But I was like, I felt like there was one. But no, you were absolutely right. Braylon Sanders, uh, I think this was his coming out game where, you know, a lot of people were like questioning who's going to be the wide receiver one. Still think it's Drummond. But Sanders had a good day with Mingo out, you know, to step in. And, hey, I can be one or two. So, um, but I really want to touch on, I think we're seeing uh, I have to say a, a shift. I think we're seeing one of those moments where it happens, you know, once every few years where we're seeing a lot of true freshmen step up. I think this is the most times where, oh my God, I you forgot know, to mention Rocket. Yeah, Rocket Sanders. I, I think we haven't seen this in a while where, you know, I know you're, uh, one of your mantras is like, I just don't trust freshmen that much. And I was like, yeah, I, I have the same way, but 
you know, there's always that one that can, you know, can explode. And I think this has been the year of the running back with Travion Henderson and Rocket Sanders. I just love what I'm seeing from both of them. I mean, and especially with Rocket Sanders, like he had a, a little bit stiffer competition with Traylon Smith uh, being that lead back and being there for so long. Like Travion mm-hmm. Henderson, all you had to do was kind of just beat out Master Teague. I mean, but Master still, Teague still, and then Mayan Williams gets injured. Yeah, Mayan Williams gets injured. But I mean, that's another freshman as well, too. But Travion has just been out of this world but uh, rocket sanders is slowly creeping up to where i'm just like wow that rb class uh you know in three to four years going off to the nfl is looking a lot better and better so i I just love that um arkansas i i didn't think they could be that balanced of a team honestly i mean i love Traylon burks but i was like i I feel like you know if you're if um you know if teams are looking out for hey this guy's clear number one then maybe defenses will kind of uh you know, key in on that and then take that away from you. But KJ Jefferson did what he needed to do. Although it's his legs and his arm hitting his receivers, hitting Traylon Burks, you know, everybody got a piece of the ball. So I I'm, I just commend both sides. I think they're still like, you know, like the AP poll shows, they're still both top 25 quality teams. And I think nobody should look past this and say, hey, maybe they're back to being same on Arkansas. I'm like, no, Arkansas is a really good team. I think they're going to have a good rest of the year besides Bama. And, you know, be able to make a good bowl game and probably even win that bowl game, depending on who they play. Yeah, again, I, I, I think this game kind of confirmed for a lot of people what they were thinking last week. Was, is that the, these are two good teams. Yep. These are two good teams. These are two top 25 teams. Hell, even top 15 teams, in my opinion. I think yep. Arkansas might have dropped just a little too far for losing by one point this past week. Uh, but even still, like, these were teams that people should have expected uh, to been able to challenge Bama, to been able to challenge Georgia, at least a little bit. That didn't happen, but even still, like these are so good teams at the end of the day, and I think these are uh, teams that really you just got to keep an eye out going forward. Um, that SEC West, man, that's going to be crazy. Um, I, I have no clue how that's going to end up working itself out because again, like we said, Mississippi State might be last in the division. Um, I'm still holding on that, but I, I really don't know, and like. No, nobody's going down without a fight in that division this year. Yeah, LSU is looking worse and worse, and I'm just like, I never would have thought. Yeah, I, didn't, I, I wasn't expecting LSU. All right, let's move on to our games of interest, like our other games of interest. Those are our big four games of the weekend, and like I said, we got a, in these games of interest, we got a top 10 team going down. That should tell you just how awesome this week was for this past week. Absolutely awesome. We'll go ahead and move on to those Let's start with number two, Georgia, 34, number 18, Auburn, 10. Xavier, I'll let you get started with this while I take a note or two here. Okay, let me get my magic eraser and just erase that number two to the now number one Georgia Bulldogs. Hold on, hold on. Keep, keep that eraser going. It, it, oh, it's, yeah, we're going to get it going. We keep, got it, the, keep it going. All right, all right. It's been erased. All right, it's been erased. And, and we're going to chalk it in number one. All right, number one. There you go. There we go. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Yeah, we were number two at the time, and uh, barring that Alabama game, now we are number one in the nation. It feels weird as a Georgia fan to have this thing called hope, where I, I'm still being realistic. Oh, no, we're f- quite familiar with hope. Oh, we're quite familiar with it. but We're it's, not it's, familiar with it, it paying off. Yeah, we're, 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 we're still hesitant about a few things. You know, it's still, you know, a dangerous game to play, but – we are the number one team in the nation. Uh, me, as you all know, me and Jared are Georgia fans. We've gone to the University of Georgia, graduated. We are homers till we die. But let's talk about this game. So I, I will say in the first quarter, Auburn, you had a sweating a li- just a little bit, just a little bit. 
I, I, I was genuinely like thinking, oh, God, don't tell me we looked ahead. I wasn't thinking we were going to lose this game, but I did not need to have like, you know, four quarters of just like, please don't do this to me. No struggle wins. No struggle wins. And Georgia did what they needed to do. And I think I have to give praise to uh, Stetson Bennett. Uh, you know, a lot of people have been saying controversial things about him of like, oh, God, Stetson's in the game. Oh, come on. JT needs to get healthy. And now there's this new thing where the media is trying to have a quarterback controversy with him and JT. Let's just put that to bed. It's still JT's team. JT is the better quarterback. Stetson is a good backup quarterback, and he's doing his job. This is the this is the perks of being the number one team in the nation. We have we had a walk on quarterback that's been with the program for years. Left came back because he loves Georgia so much and knows the offense so well that he can just you know be able to manage these games and have all the talent around him to just maximize that. So mm-hmm. I give all the credit to Stetson Bennett. You know, I'm still I'm not going to say, you know, he's moved up from game manager to me to where he could be a decent quarterback in the SEC. Yeah, my my, again, my thoughts here. God, am I happy we won this game? Like Xavier said, I was sweating a little bit in that first quarter. I was just I was I was not quite emotionally prepared for a dogfight in that game. Like, I don't think I ever really doubted that we could win that game at the end of the day. But also, I know how Auburn can be. I know how that rivalry can be sometimes. And yeah, I wasn't quite emotionally prepared for that. Uh, a couple notes that I wanted to point out here. Uh, Bo Nix, I think, had probably his best day passing in quite a while. Like he was hitting receivers in stride. Now there were a lot of drop balls, don't get me wrong. And I think that was more on the receivers than Bo Nix. I think he was about as on point as he could get with that receiving core. But, 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 but he had one of his worst days rushing. Um, he really fell in love, I think, with that media narrative that, you know, he's a Houdini artist. He can get out of anything. And that set Auburn back so many times when Georgia's able to get, I think they got four sacks on the day. And I yeah. know for a fact that at least all of them were for at least five to 10 yards each. Oh, no, there were some big ones. Well, there, there, there was one that went about like 20, 30 yards back before they finally got him down. I was just like, like you can't do that. But even still, like, I, I'll credit Bo Nix for having one of his best days passing. So anyway, you wanted you want to disagree with me on something there? I, I will say this. I think, you know, looking at the game, I, I noticed I was like, yeah, there were some drop balls, but Bo Nix has a knack for just throwing like heaters. Like he you're does. throwing like yeah, some you're, fastballs. You're throwing, like at MLB 99 miles per hour. Like you're hitting the, your receivers in stride, but I don't think your receivers are like that talented to catch those balls. So I put a little bit of blame on both. I'm gonna sides. put a big butt here. I'm gonna say but he was going up against Georgia's defense, he and was. you can't put up you can't put floaters in the air on that defense. Yeah. So I think it's one of those things where he's just like, you got to catch this. Otherwise, some, uh, otherwise a DB is going to catch this. So yeah. I won't blame him too much for that. Uh, two players I want to shout out here. Ladd McCockney. Wow. Yeah. Five receptions, 135 yards and a touchdown. You don't see that from a Georgia receiver very often. Hold on, hold on. Hold on. What was his, what was his uh, star ranking again? Uh, uh, for all the people that don't think that we don't develop our wide receivers. Three stars. Three star? Three really? Stars. Yes. You would think, you know, for a guy that had, uh, you know, over 100 and something yards. Against Auburn, ah man, that's just surprising. Uh, a true in. freshman too. Um, true fresh, wow. So uh, it's like you, you would think. Um, and then also, the other name I want to bring up here is Amir White, Zeus White, whatever you want to call him. I'm I'm putting this out there. I didn't put him on the um, waiver wires for this week and everything, but I'm putting out there. He had 18 carries for 70 or 79 yards and two touchdowns in this game. I'm. Just putting out the idea that Zeus is probably worth 
keeping on your watch list over the next couple of weeks, especially as Georgia really tries to win this war of attrition with their thousands upon thousands of injuries. Um, I really think that Zamir White's going to be getting a bigger and bigger wor- workload every single week. So I think he's going to be worth something. Hold on, give me a second. I just want to see, because I remember last year he was on a streak of getting a touchdown every game. I wonder, yeah, in the past, let's see, four games, he's gotten a touchdown. And two of those, in the past two games, he's gotten over two. So yeah. I, I think we're, we're seeing another streak happening again, because, yeah, the last time he didn't score was against UAB, and that's because we just didn't need to. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think. There, there's something else I wanted to bring up about this game. Oh, no. I think I know exactly what you want. Uh, yeah. To all the Auburn fans out there about, you know, blaming the refs. No, 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 no. That actually wasn't it. Um, but if you want to oh, go down man. that road, you can get real we quick. We can go down that road. I, I understand the call that Bo Nix is referencing to. Uh, and I will, I will admit, as a Georgia fan, I did think that it should have been pass interference. But I will say that one play wasn't going to determine that entire game for you. You weren't going to win because you got, you know, 50, uh, the penalty and possibly would have got that touchdown. You still lost by like three scores, three, four scores. It just wasn't going to happen. I don't think a momentum shift would have happened for Auburn at that point. It just looked like we were just too dominant on defense at the time. Uh, Kirby, Kirby would have still had things right and schemed up, you know, and Dan Lanning as well too, to be able to contain Bo Nix and get those sacks. So like Jared always says, don't let one call determine your entire like uh, your entire game. Uh, I'm sorry, but blaming the refs for a 24 point loss at home. Yeah, good yeah. good luck with that one. Uh, good luck. I, I remember what else I wanted to talk about here, and uh, uh, regard, regards to sets and Bennett. So again, I've been doing some reading and everything, and like kind of reading some insider notes and everything about like what's like what's the plan with sets and Bennett and everything. And there is a lot of talk that sets and Bennett, if he stays at Georgia, would be a legitimate option to be a starting quarterback next year now again these are insider information this is this is subject to change um a lot of that has to do with how brock vandergriff looks in the final couple games for georgia charleston southern georgia tech these are games that georgia is planning preparing brock vandergriff to take over early in these games to see how he is commanding the offense if brock vandergriff is successful in those games and looks looks the part as a starting quarterback for Georgia, he is more than likely the guy the next year, in which case you will see Stetson Bennett probably enter the transfer portal. And I have to say, like, again, a couple years ago, and like, and this is the thought I had while I was reading it, where I was like, is this the same way that uh, Bama fans felt when Jalen Hurts entered the transfer portal? Where like you just feel legitimately sad knowing that that's probably what has to happen, but man, like it it still breaks your heart regardless. I don't know. It's probably not the topic for this podcast, but like I I that, that I just wanted to talk about that because like I, I when I read that I was like man it would really suck watching Stetson go off somewhere else. I think with this I I know they talked about it during the broadcast of the game where Stetson was legit uh, thinking about you know not playing football anymore. I think he would just was like I played enough football like I played it at every level. So I, I don't know if he would actually like come back for one more year. I think Kirby would have to have the speech of his life for him to convince him to hey stay one more year at Georgia or just well, stay again one he more know year he again he, he's not dumb. If he comes back and starts next year, he knows he's just a placeholder until Brock gets ready or Gunner gets ready, whichever one. Uh, but really I'm, steps I'm, up. I'm really questioning about like you know not to say it's hard to play football, but like at a certain time, uh, you know you got to call it quits at a certain point. You know you got to move on with your life and continue on. If you're not going to be a draft pick or anything, so I mean it would be Maybe. nice as fans. 
as like, hey, you know, you could have one more year and, you know, you have that COVID extra year of eligibility, or you could just say, hey, let me just graduate. And, I would love know, to see, again, I, if he did transfer out and went somewhere else and played one more year, I would be, I would root for him so hard. I, I, I don't, I, 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 he would probably be one of my favorite players in, in uh, football. Anyway, we yeah. talked way too long about this. Sorry, y'all, for all the Georgia talk, but we had a great weekend this weekend. We watched a lot of other yeah. people lose, so it was great to not be on that list of losers. We'll go ahead and move on to our next game here, and that is going to be number nine, Michigan, 32, Nebraska, 29. Oh, this was a great game. Um, Xavier, do you have any thoughts on this game before I uh, – or you want me to start? I'll start. Um, it just feels – the fact that I have to say this, I feel bad for Scott Frost at this point. Mm-hmm. I, I do. I think he is a – Nebraska looks like a quality team that just can't get over that. Like you can't get over the hump. And it's like, you're so close. Like you're a great, I think, you know, you, you push these teams to the edge every single week of these quality teams, Michigan state, uh, Oh God, Oklahoma, now Michigan again, where you're, you're only losing by like one score, like one score, or like maybe like, you know, just a fluke uh, chance of like, you know, uh, Jalen Reed taking a punt back or anything like that, but you're so close. And for Michigan to not have a passing touchdown, like Kate McNamara managed that game very well, but the run game for Hassan Haskins and Blake Corum was just too much, which I was surprised about because they shut down Kenneth Walker completely. But I guess when you have a duo, uh, things just be a little bit easier. Need some fresher legs but, in there. Yeah, but I, it's, it's, it's so weird to say, but I have to give credit to Adrian Martinez for what he's done this season. It just feels so weird. I know it's, I feel like he's on a bunch of waiver wires. Like he's, I know he's probably. No, he's like seventy percent owned at this point. Yeah, but I, he's still like on like thirty percent more. Where I'm like, that last thirty percent is like, look, as soon as I pick him up, I just know it's just not going to work. Mm-hmm. But honestly, he's been a valuable uh, asset to have in a lot of uh, fantasy teams. He's putting up around like twenty five plus a game. So it's it's so I feel bad for Nebraska as a whole. Like, like I I wasn't going to root for you to like win the Big Ten or anything like that. But man, you should you deserve. They need they need an upset at this point. They've they've come too close too many times. Yeah, I, I want the, I want to see them in a bowl game. I want, I I actually thoroughly enjoy watching Nebraska play, even yeah. though if you're coming from behind every single time, you always make the games exciting and push these teams to the edge. So that's all of my thoughts on that game. I I'm pretty much the exact same way. Like as soon as you said like I feel bad for Nebraska and Scott Frost, and I'm like I'm the exact same way. I just feel bad for them at this point. This is this is mind-blowing the last couple of weeks for them um first of all shout out to the nebraska fans for filling up their stadium uh this past week against michigan and everything just creating a great environment there like they know there's they, they know they know they're so close and they just keep getting, i will say though i think nebraska again i i maintain never put yourself in a position to where one ref's call can screw you on a game but nebraska got hosed in this game on their not their final drive but the drive before um their running back i think it was ramir johnson might have been uh one of their other ones uh ran for a first down ran to a wall of guys and the rest refused to blow the whistle it was like he was stuck stuck there forward progress stop for like two or three seconds ball pops out and michigan recovers michigan kicks the game winning field goal nebraska can't convert on the next drive but even so i'm like they got so hosed on that. Like, I'm not, I'm not, again, I'm not going to pretend like that was the game-defining moment of the game. But, man, I just, again, Nebraska just, 
they find incredible ways to lose, and it's I again I feel bad. I feel bad. That's all I want to say here. I'll, I'll say this though. How do you feel about Michigan being ranked there? They're currently eight right now. So what's, what's the difference between Michigan and Michigan State? Like why why is Michigan State not higher than Michigan? That's a great question. I think I think it has more to do with. Um, because uh, we can't look at that Wisconsin win. I'm sorry. Wisconsin well, yeah. is not a quality win anymore at all. It hasn't been this entire season. So yeah, no, I, I, I don't understand. I'm trying to th- I think more has to do with just a lot of Michigan State Michigan State's earlier wins not aging quite as well. Like the Miami win. Um, I, well, actually, no, I think that's kind of similar to the Wisconsin win at this point. Although I'd say Wisconsin's probably a better win than, than Miami at this point. Um I don't know, but you went to you Miami, know, though. But they did go to Wisconsin. I was like, they went to Wisconsin. Yeah, so, it, yeah, it, I, it's hard. I, I would have them right next to each other. That's going to be a great game when those oh, two yeah. finally face off. Who, uh, I forget. It. Who who plays at home this year out of those two? Can you look that up it's real at quick? At Michigan State. So at Michigan State. Oh, that, oh, that's yeah. going to be a good one. That's going to be yeah. such a good one. Um, Yeah, no. I, I think they're two evenly matched teams. And I don't think Michigan... If you're going to rank Michigan at number 10, you should have Michigan at number 9 or vice versa. Like, I think that's... Yeah. They should they be Michigan right State, next to each other. They have Michigan State at 10, and they have uh, Michigan at 8, and Oregon's in the middle for some reason, but who knows. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I'm not, I'm not sure why they're disrespecting Michigan State like that. We'll, we'll find, again, they will have their chance to prove it later on yeah. this year. All right, let's go ahead and move on. We got several more games to get through here. Um, we got... Uh, hold on, let me put up the graphic. We got Boise State. Number uh, 26, number, taking down number 10, BYU. They scored 17 points. I will take over here on this one. Really, this game came down to turnovers. And it's one of those things where when you see a team not turning the ball over and everything, or another team turning the ball over a lot of times, you start to think like, oh, this team's turnover prone. This team like holds onto the ball really well. Every once in a while, you will get a game where they screw up constantly. BYU fumbled the ball three times in this game. And that is the major difference here at the end of the day. Uh, and Tyler, threw and he threw a pick. Uh, but really, to me, it was the fumbles because they were they kept talking on the broadcast like, they haven't fumbled the ball this year at all. Um, three fumbles in this game. Two in the first half, one in the second half. That's your dagger right there. That's, that's, that's what's going to kill BYU in this game. Tyler Algier was a relative disappointment, I'd say, uh, for a rushing defense that was over 100th in the country. He only amassed uh, 19 carries for 73 yards in the touchdown, especially after last week. That kind of shocked me a little bit. But uh, overall, big win for Boise. Uh, BYU's gonna, uh, what did BYU drop down to? I can't remember off the top of my head. Uh, I think they're, ooh, that's a good question. They are 19. So you went from 10 to 19. I think that's fair. I, 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 I personally think that's fair. Uh, pretty decent drop. I think that's right where they should be right about now. Yeah, absolutely. All the teams ahead of them are definitely, I would take over BYU. Uh, Maybe, uh, Arizona State is above them. So that's a little bit questionable. That is a little bit questionable because BYU did beat Arizona State. Um, but even still, that's, that's kind of my thoughts on this game. Any thoughts you want to throw out there, Xavier? Uh, nope. Uh, you know, it, it's, I just wish that Khalil Shakir, he did have an amazing catch, but I just really would like more work from him like earlier because he only came alive second half. No, I think I, I think that's 100 percent fair. Uh, yeah. Making sure I got my notes in order for this next one. All right, let's move on to the next one. And that is going to be 
very similar game or exact same score as the Michigan State Nebraska game. Number 14, Notre Dame survives Virginia Tech 32 to 29. Xavier, I'll let you take the point on this one if you want it. Yeah, uh, I don't. I don't know. Uh, Tyler Buckner looked good for a freshman. Um, he still had made some uh, some mistakes. It just you know it's it's normal for a freshman to do that, but he did look good. Um, I I think we both picked the upset in this game. Uh, mm. It definitely was close. Close. We, we were not, yeah, we were not like wrong in our logic, but Notre Dame just had a little bit more talent. Uh, Kyron Williams mm-hmm. and Chris Tyree did well. Um, Notre Dame's defense still allowed twenty nine points, but. They did what they needed to do in the end. Michael, no Michael Myers, so you lost a big part of your passing offense. Mm-hmm. So that's why they had to kind of probably rely on Tyler Buckner a little bit more with his legs. So, um, I mean, overall, I'm, I, I'm not regretting anything about the pick, but, you know, Notre Dame showed why they're ranked and Virginia Tech is not. Again, like, say what you will about Notre Dame's wins being unimpressive at the end of the day. They're winning. Yeah. When, you, when you're a team that just finds a way to win, that counts for something. Uh, and I don't have a ton of notes on this game. And really, uh, the thing I was surprised by was just how much work Tyler Buckner got. I was kind of surprised by that. Um, I guess Notre Dame is just starting to look towards the future. They realize that um, they need to start developing him now. And again, on a lot of plays, he looked good. Showed off that four-star ability. Other times, you remember that he's a freshman. Uh, he had uh, two pretty bad picks in this game. Uh, so just freshman mistakes, in my opinion. And there was a reason why... Uh, there is a reason why Jack Cohn went in the final two drives. Uh, the first one to get the final touchdown and then the final one to get the final field goal. There's a reason for that. Ryan Kelly knew that it's like, all right, if I throw Buckner out there, higher chance of a mistake. Jack Cohn, less likely to, or he's gonna, or, uh, far less mistake prone, uh, not going to really throw this game away for us. So I think we'll rely on him. Yeah, I don't have a ton of notes on this game, but it was still a great game. Uh, go back and watch this if you haven't checked it out. I know there's a ton of other games going on at the same time. Key one being the Alabama-Texas A&M game. But, y'all, go back and watch some of these games. These were incredible. Yeah. Another game I think flew under the radar for a lot of people was the number 19 Wake Forest surviving Syracuse 40-37 to in overtime. So, Xavier, you specifically – or, no, you didn't request this one. The next – The final two – or you requested this one. So, I'll let you take the point on this one. Yeah, um, I, I, I'm not saying I completely, but it's really close. Where I feel bad for Syracuse, I think they look like a really good program this year, and they're getting a lot. They're getting a lot of close losses. There, I think they're pushing their teams in the ACC. Well, okay, I'll put it in context of a good team in the ACC. Um, I think with, like you said, a, a name names we mentioned early on in our podcast when we first started. You thought Garrett Trader would be a guy that'd be pushing for that starting uh, QB job, and he's looked impressive with his dual threat ability. And Sean Tucker, a guy that I saw, and I was like, man, as a freshman, he got a big workload. Maybe he could uh, expand upon that. Now, Sean Tucker is an every week starter. I don't care who he's facing. Mm-hmm. I think the, the volume that he gets and the fact that he also has to play, displayed in some other games, you know, uh, that's uh, with Garrett Schrader uh, not being the quarterback, but he has some pass catching ability, like, and he's really good at it. So I, I think Syracuse as a whole is a really good team. And in this game, they started out really well. I thought that, man, could this be Wake Forest's first loss? And it just came down to the wire. Like the first quarter and then the second quarter, Syracuse looked like they were leading ahead. I mean, they were uh, they were leading ahead early. Then uh, Wake Forest started to make some comebacks. And then the second half, then that's when they started trading blows. Mm-hmm. And then the, ultimately the game went into overtime and Sam Hartman and A.T. Perry just ended the game. So it, just, it came down to a little bit of a heartbreak, but I love the Syracuse team and what they're doing. 
you pretty much covered both of the points I want to talk about, and that was Garrett Schrader and Sean Tucker. Um, again, Wake Forest did what I expected Wake Forest to do, but really the story to me there was Syracuse fighting for this game. Um, again, forcing it over time. At the end of the day, it just a perfectly placed ball from Sam Hartman puts the game out of reach in overtime, and that was it at the end of the day. So that's really, again, I don't have a ton of thoughts on this game. So yeah. Garrett uh, Schrader with 29 carries for 178 yards is ridiculous. Yep, 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 yep. I love me some Garrett Schrader. Um, again, and I think it's just proving more and more that geez, these ACC matchups have just become like how big, how we used to view Big 12 matchups, where yeah. it's just like, they're going to score 30 points each, probably, more than likely. There, there's like a whole group of them that you just know that that's the amount of points they're going to be scoring every single week. So, yeah. We'll go ahead and move on to our next game. And that is going to be Maryland. Scores 17 against number 7 Ohio State, who scored, you know, just a tiny uh, 66 on Maryland. My God, what a statement win for Ohio State. Like, I'm not, I know Maryland is not like, okay, okay. Yeah, I, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, I saw, I saw your face. I saw your face. <laughs> this was a statement win for Ohio State in the fact that Maryland does not have a terrible offense. And Ohio State has been known to have a very suspect defense so far this year. And their offense has struggled at times, particularly that passing game. They put every bit of doubt to rest in this game on that. CJ Stroud was on fire. Uh, 24 out of 33, 406 yards, uh, five touchdowns. Absolutely blew the doors open. Travion Henderson had another great day. Uh, this is where I was gonna. I was supposed to ask you where I just looked at my notes. This is where I was supposed to ask you about uh, Bijan Robinson versus Travion Henderson, but I threw it earlier in the show. Um, Ohio State, I think, is a team that a lot of people left for dead uh, after their Oregon loss. I think that they were saying, like, oh, well, that's it. Ohio State's not who we thought they were. Uh, they're not going to the, or somebody else is going to beat them in the Big Ten. They're not going to the playoff anymore. They're absolutely going to get another loss. I don't think so. I think they're one of these teams that is going to be improving as the year goes on. And by the time we get to the conference championship time, by the time we get to playoff time, they're going to be sitting right there as one of those teams that somebody's going to be like, we gave up on them way too early, and they are now a legitimate uh, contender for the title this year. So that's really all I want to talk about here. Again, Maryland, you tried your best. No longer crab season. Uh, Talia threw two more interceptions, and for some reason, Rakeem Jarrett only got one target. So good job, Maryland. What are your thoughts, Xavier? Yeah, um, I, I'll say this. I wasn't one of those people that left them for dead after Oregon. I kind of started weaning off of them after I looked at the Tulsa win. And I was like, I don't like what your team looks like right now. I don't think you're in a good place. But I didn't write them out for the Big Ten Championship. I still have them going to the Big Ten Championship. I think their offense is that explosive. And I think, like you said, they're going to be a team that gets better week by week. And I think their defense will improve. Um yeah, I was just like, you have, I mean, all, for all those people that, you know, had those doubts about C.J. Stroud early on of like, oh, maybe he's not the guy, give Kyle McCord a chance, and Kyle McCord did well against Ohio. I was like, it's still C.J. Stroud's job. Like, I think it's just very noticeable of like, th- what he could do with the ball on his arm is just really special and what they have. Mm-hmm. So, I, I, and I think, you know, for all those people that like support uh, Chris Olave, I think this is his first time where he's like really – I have to say bro- uh, broken out, but like he, this is probably his best game of by far this season. Oh, easily. Yeah. So I, I think a lot of those uh, the people that are owners of CJ, um, uh, Chris Olave, 
were very happy this weekend. And Garrett Wilson has shown consistency every single week. Didn't have 100 yards. Still had two touchdowns, though. So he makes up for it. And Jackson Smith and Jacob looks like that next man up. So it's going to be really interesting next oh, year. He's, he's going to be a, he's probably going to be a first round wide receiver for fantasy yeah, next year. Absolutely. So it's just going to be, it's just looking well for Ohio State's offense. Hopefully their defense can get it together. They do have some uh, tough injuries on defense, but overall you were able to contain that Maryland uh, offense to 17 points to where I kind of felt like Iowa broke Maryland. Like they were looking good early on because they had some easy uh, games to play. Mm-hmm. But I was like, once Maryland faces some stiffer competition, I didn't rank Maryland, rate Maryland that highly of like, all right, yeah, they could, you know, make some noise. Like, nah, it's still Maryland at the end of the day. But I am kind of sad about Rakeem Jared. I'm just wondering what's going on with there. Maybe him and Talia don't have that connection anymore. Or maybe him and the coaches are not drawing up enough plays for him. Yeah, we we, we got to make a decision on that for our Kings Classic team this week. Yeah. Especially with Demas gone. That's just really interesting. So. All right, we got two more games to get through here. These are really the the I'll I'll peek behind the curtain. These were two specific games that Xavier wanted to talk about this week. So we'll go yep. ahead and move on to them. Two ACC games here. Uh Virginia 34, Louisville 33. Xavier, what are your thoughts here? Yeah, it was a good game. Like you said, we're looking at the ACC for these uh high over/unders at this point now where um they're putting up a lot of points and playing almost zero to none uh like yeah, just no defense at all. So Zero to none. Uh, great saying. But I, it was it was really an interesting game because Malik Cunningham, I, I was just shocked to see how like he, he wasn't as electric running the ball. Mm-hmm. He didn't he didn't even crack 50 yards, didn't have a rushing touchdown. Hassan Hall was the the main story uh, for the running back room to where he looked like the best back uh, junior. So I was surprised Jalen Mitchell. He did get a touchdown, but it was only on like eight carries. And Travion Coley, a lot of names that we were thinking that would push Jalen Mitchell, but it was Hassan Hall at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. And then uh, you had uh, Tyler, Tyler Harrell. He had uh, a long of 92, but uh, that's mainly it for their receiving. So I was like, eh, just – it was just really weird because um, Virginia wasn't looking good in the uh, early part of that game, but then they started coming alive with Brennan Armstrong. So I was like, okay. Because they, they did score first, but then after a while, it was like, okay, okay. We'll, we'll see how um, Virginia looks because they kept settling for field goals, field goals. And then there was a lot of missed field goals for a while. There was like two back-to-back by both teams and then fumbles. So overall for this game, I, I just love what Brennan Armstrong is doing to where even though like we looked into this year and we're thinking like, yeah, we're going to get a dual threat quarterback. He's doing a lot with his arm, and I think he's making up for that lack of rushing ability where he's throwing he's throwing the touchdowns and he's getting a lot of uh, getting a lot of yards with it. And I think this is just a bad game for Millie. Well, not te- technically a bad game because he didn't throw an interception, but not one of his best. Yeah, the the only real note I again peek behind the curtain here again, y'all. Xavier like texted me like like 30, 45 minutes before uh, we got started here, uh, and he's like, I want to talk about these two games, and I'm like all right and you want to record it soon he's like yep and i'm like all right uh okay i guess i'm gonna hit up these games real quick so i watched like a three minute recap of these games i don't know a ton here i'll be real with y'all uh but the thing that really stuck out to me was uh louisville just kept settling for field goals in this game uh they kicked for uh they kicked for field goals six times during this game they tried to kick a game-winning field goal missed that one that was unfortunate but again at the end of the day i think like pair that with uh malik cunningham's kind of like off day I think that's what did Louisville in here. Again, I'd like to, I'd love to go back and watch this game more in full uh, later on, especially again. I'd like to see what went wrong with Malik. I'd, I'd like to see what was going on with Brandon Armstrong in this game. Uh, but those are my kind of thoughts on this game. 
So let's move on to our final game of the weekend, and that is going to be Florida State beating UNC in, in my opinion, one of the most what-the-hell series of games the last couple of years. UNC, there is no reason why Florida State should have had your number these last two years. They have looked awful. You were up 10-0 on this game so early on. What happened? What are your thoughts here, Xavier? Yeah, the fact that I... Honestly, you said that uh, who were the two best quarterbacks? KJ Jefferson and um, this past week it was KJ and who else? Frank Harris. Frank Harris. I'm surprised that Jordan uh, Jordan Travis had. He was to be up close. there. He was up there. I was like, he had to be close because they made this man look like a god. I, it's, I just didn't like. We knew USC, UNC's defense was suspect, but we didn't know how suspect this defense was really going to look. Like Deshaun Corbin was a non-factor. Like. The, the, their running back, well, not even their running back room. I mean, if you want to count Jordan Travis as a running back, they all split evenly where it was like 14, 13, 12, which, you know, not perfectly, but you're only separating by one carry. And Jordan Travis just looked like a running back where he ran for, uh, had 14 carries for 121 yards and two touchdowns. That's just, and then he threw for three touchdowns as well too. So I, I just don't know what to say. And it's just more of like what Sam Howell, I love the dual threat ability that he's showing. But I'm like, come on now. You have like I, I think at this point we have to point at uh North Carolina receivers besides Josh Downs. I was saying, like, you not do not do besides not put Josh the blame Downs, on Josh Downs. I think, I think with what they lost with Daz Newsom and Diami, it, it was probably just too much to where you're you're asking a lot of you're asking a lot of the guys that like either that were there that weren't good enough or a lot of these young young up and coming guys that are just not ready for this moment yet. And only Josh Downs is there. And that's probably only the, I mean, somehow only has to rely on him and his legs. So it's kind of sad at this point. Um, I don't know what the North Carolina is going to look like for the future. Like Sam Howell is probably most likely gone after this year. So there, there's beginning to be rumors that he might stick around for one more year. We will, um, we will see. I don't think see. he should. Yeah, I, I think, I, think I, I think he's shown more than enough ability that the, like whatever's going on at UNC right now is not his fault. Yeah, I'm like, it's the O-line, the defense. At this point... And if what, Daniel Jones can be drafted based on what he yeah. did at Duke, I think Sam Howell will be fine. Absolutely, because honestly, if you look at like the quarterbacks for this year, Sam Howell is... It's between Sam Howell and Malik Willis for who wants to go... For, like, not number one overall, but the fourth quarterback taken. Uh, Matt Corral I'll throw out there as well. I think oh, yeah, Matt Corral too. Matt Corral as well. So, yeah, those th- I think th- between those three. But, yeah, it's, it's, just, it's just not looking well for that UNC team and Mac Brown, who we had high expectations for going on into the season. UNC and Miami play next week in Xavier and I's Disappointment Bowl. So we're oh, going we're, we're gonna to find out who's the bigger disappointment, Miami or UNC. I, I'm still pulling for UNC because I, I had them winning the, uh, I had them winning the uh, Coastal Division this, yeah. this year. Xavier had Miami. They're pro- yeah. Neither one are probably going to win that division now. But not even close. You know, we'll we'll find out. We'll we'll settle that completely. All right, y'all. That's that's our show right there. Um, appreciate y'all tuning in for this. Once again, we went too long, but you know what? I don't care. Um, I had a blast after not being able to join for two of the shows last week. It has been so good to talk to you guys again. I I I really just said really is how how much I miss actually being on the show. 
So hopefully you guys welcome me back with welcome arms and are not dreading hearing the sound of my voice again. Regardless, thank you guys for listening. Uh, please make sure you are following us on all of our platforms. Subscribe to us on YouTube. Hit that notification bell. Uh, make sure. Uh, in addition to that, tell your friends about us, y'all. And just tell your friends about college fantasy in general. Next year, I want college fantasy to just grow as much as possible. Hopefully, we'll be seeing so many um we will be seeing more platforms opening up to the format. So I am really hoping that we can just get the entire industry to grow. And with that, please bring your friends to us. Let them know that we are the best source to go to for a consistent show for college fantasy football. Um, in addition, make sure you're following us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. As always, I love those five-star reviews you guys leave us. Love reading those. Um, and if you ever do leave one, just DM me on Twitter or at me on Twitter. Say, hey, I left one. I will let everybody know in the world that you did that. Uh, speaking of Twitter, I am at CFF underscore Jared, and he is at CFF underscore Xavier. You can find us there. Love talking to you guys on there. Ask us any question. As I always say, there is no, or, um, there, there's no dumb questions. There are only dumb answers. And since we're the ones giving answers, we're the only ones that can sound dumb. So... Y'all, thank you so much. Dave, is there anything else you want to say before we head out of here? Yeah, uh, just to express your sentiments, uh, echo your sentiments as well, too. I mean, you might see, you know, a banner on College Game Day, one of these uh, of this upcoming weekend again. Uh, keep the lookout for that for just promotional things, not for the, our podcast, but just for the industry in general. We're not that too, uh, too altruistic in our podcast. We want everybody to succeed in this industry, and we just want – you know, more, more, uh, just a fan base for this as well. Like we enjoy this. We have uh, fun doing this, researching these players, uh, looking at these teams. Cause you know, in our hearts, we truly believe that college football is the best football. We don't have to worry about, you know, uh, you know, we don't have to worry about too much about the NFL. Uh, we can look at what these players are going to do and we can sit back and look like, Hey, he was really good in college and look at, uh, you know, we get good laughs as well, too, you know, especially around draft season where we look at Mel Tucker and they tell us that why this person was bad. For the Mel Kuyper, you mean? Mel Kuyper. So we're just like, yeah, it's it's real. It's really a fun time. I think everybody should enjoy it and, uh, you know, listen, uh, hear us out for this. But, yeah, uh, like you said, we enjoy all the support and we can't wait to continue this on and uh, continue to give you uh, all the information that we can. Yeah, we got we got so many great things coming up. We're, we're appearing on two different shows. Uh, once I get the full information for you guys, I will let you guys know about that. We'll be guest appearing on those. We got, again, tons of fun stuff coming up. And we appreciate you guys being here for the ride. So with all that being said, thank you guys for listening. And y'all have a blessed day.